Continuing John's Gospel, the 8th chapter, verse 12. Um, You'll note we're not going through uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We'd be here for years doing that. I haven't been hired for that long. So um, we're only going to do bits and pieces as we go through and and take a look at some major themes. Uh, Again, the, the theme of the sermon series is the light has come. And that's what it says at the beginning, that uh, we, we have beheld this light and life of Jesus, the, life and, the light and life as of the only uh, Son of the Father. And so we continue with that story. The first 11 uh, verses of John's uh, eighth chapter, um, uh, the story of the woman found, found in adultery, I think it's a wonderful story, very consistent with the Gospel of John. There's no indication that John wrote that. And so you'll find it in italics. Sometimes you'll find it um, in brackets. Sometimes you'll find it in other places. It's not a story to be ignored, but oftentimes um, it doesn't show up in the oldest of manuscripts. It'll be interesting to see one day what, that, um, what it says. But here is um, John chapter 8, verses 12 through 20. Um, we're going to kind of do this in two parts, one this week, and the next week we'll move into chapter 9, where Jesus will actually demonstrate what he says here. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then the Pharisees said to him, you're testifying on your own behalf. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid because I know where I have come from and where I am going. Oh, I tell you how much I long to be that assured of who I am, (laughs) that I know where I come from and I know where I'm going. I I mean, that's the goal, isn't it? (laughs) Ultimately, that I'll, I'll be able to say that. I know whose I am and I'll know who I am. I'm a, I'm a confused disciple most of the time. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. Huh. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment, even if I do judge, uh, my judgment is valid, for it is not I alone who judge and I am the Father who sent, but I am my Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is valid. I testify on my own behalf, and the Father who sent me testifies um, on my behalf. Then they said to him, Where is your Father? And Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. He spoke these words while he was teaching in the treasury of the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Pray with me. God, sometimes I read your word and it feels circular in its logic and reasoning. And in many ways it is. And you invite me into that circle that circle where you are the beginning and the end of all things. And we need to find our way 
into that circle and invite others to participate in what is absolutely a unique story, a unique invitation, and a life that we can't get on our own. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The I Am sayings in John are just, uh, to me, have always held a special place. I was 15. I was on a bus going to Flagstaff, Arizona. I had not participated in church hardly at all, but I went one night and met this cute little redheaded girl and uh, thought it would be really important to go uh, on the Easter work project to Arizona. And so 12 hours in a bus that couldn't go over 55 um, uh, we sat in the back and we were supposed to have read the Gospel of John before we got to this thing. And being the great student of the Bible that I wasn't, I hadn't read it, nor had anybody else on the bus as far as I know. Uh, we were teenagers. And um, uh, one of the college students took it on themselves to read it to us in the back of this bus. And I can honestly tell you that for the very first time in my life, I felt like I heard something different something that I never expected. And I couldn't actually tell you what that was, but these stories about Jesus made some sense. And they had bigger meaning, maybe because I was the ripe old age of 15, and I had so much life experience, it was starting to sink in. But it, was, it touched me, and I began to pay attention. And one of the things that I paid attention to were these I am sayings. In fact, in the church that we began at Tribuco, we had these uh, uh, wonderful banners made. They were made by the, the woman who sewed the um, vestments for the Archbishop of Canterbury. And she made these beautiful uh, banners of the I Am Saints in the Gospel of John. And um, they were spectacular. And we had them up oftentimes and just during different times of worship and to remind us of who Jesus is. Uh, said that he was and is. They're bold declarations of the I am saints. They're bold declarations of the identity of who Jesus is. I am the bread of life, we saw. That's a pretty remarkable statement, isn't it? To declare for yourself, I'm the bread of life. They're about his identity. They declare his messiahship. They declare who he is and whose he is. And it's in thinly veiled language. It's not that hard to see that as soon as he says, I am, which is um, maybe um, kind of a translation of, of the term Yahweh, um, at some point he says, I am that I am, and it sounds a little bit like Popeye to me. I am what I am. You know, that, that, see, you have to be old enough to know that, though. I mean, many of you in this room are plenty old and you're Popeye people. But, but uh, you know, he would mutter. And all the mutterings were for the adults. And uh, you hope they got past the kids' ears. But that sense that I am who I am is one of the few statements that he makes about himself that's not backed up with an action other than you might look at the resurrection of being as being that. Of course, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the vine. You're the branches. And today we encounter this statement 
that I'm the light of the world. He just says it. And then, uh, then there's a dispute. How can you say that? How can you testify to this? You testify by yourself. There's nobody to corroborate what you're saying. And he ends up in this dispute with the people who are present. All our announcements, all the I am sayings are these great declarations, and they're all up for dispute until he backs it up with action. A lot of people don't hang around long enough for that. They just want to dispute the declaration. But all our announcements, all are disputable if you choose not to hang around or if you choose not to see. Choosing to believe is choosing to believe a different narrative from what you've been told all along and from every quarter. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. It's one of my favorite sayings. We have it on a little... uh, uh, magical uh, uh, teapot at home. And, uh, and my daughters have used that with me over the years as a way of, of stating what they, they believe. I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, when we believe Jesus, we are saying, That by him, I see everything else, everything as it really is, everything through Jesus' eyes. At least that's the aspiration. I wish I could say that's truly how I see things. I don't. I don't see things as Jesus does. I'd like to. But I know that as soon as I declare it, I'm in contradiction with my actions. And I'm in contradiction with what I say. And I'm in contradiction with what I believe. I trust God for my life until I go and check my investment portfolio. (laughs) I, I trust God for my future, but I'd really like to know how the stock market's doing. We laugh nervously because we're all invested in other stories and all invested in other ways of living. But when I say I believe that Jesus is the light of the world, I'm committed to seeing the world as Jesus sees it and the reality that Jesus sees. Think of the implications of it. We take Jesus at his word. And that's what it means. It means we basically, if we're going to say, I see everything clearly through this lens, then that means when Jesus says that I'm supposed to turn the other cheek, I have figuratively and literally turned the other cheek. I don't end up in combat with my friend, my neighbor, my fellow Christian, even my enemy. 
I turn the other cheek. Why? Because that's the way Jesus sees the world. It's what he does. When Jesus says, bless your enemies, he doesn't mean curse them. When Jesus says, forgive 70 times 7, when will you ever exhaust that? I could do my math. You know, I know it's 490 times. But I don't keep track of the times that I've been forgiven or that I forgive. And what Jesus is really trying to do is give us a little hyperbole and say, listen, folks, you can't exhaust the forgiveness you've received. You ought not to exhaust the forgiveness you give. If anything... God's people are forgiving people. The church is the second chance. Blessed are the meek, not the proud, not the manipulative, not the scheming, not the smarter, not the bravest. Blessed are the meek. Why? Because they will inherit the earth. Not the movers and shakers, not the most brilliant, not the people who have the most when they die. None of that stuff is the people that are going to inherit the earth as God created and will redeem are the meek and the humble, not the assertive. Those who cannot get God for themselves, God will give God's very self to them. Lose your life to gain it. That one more time that I stand up to assert my rights. That one more time I stand up to defend myself. That one more time that I have to make sure you know that I've been aggrieved or you know that I actually know what I'm talking about. That one more time where I end up asserting my life over and against yours. Jesus says, lose it. It's the only way to find it. These are the ways of Jesus. And this sight, this scene, this insight is not merely for our benefit. It's not just so I feel better about myself. Very often I think these actions make me not feel so good about myself. It confronts stuff in me. When I see the truth of something, I can no longer believe the lie of something. When I'm made aware of the truth of something, I can't hide from it, and it keeps bugging me. I love an old story of uh, an acquaintance of mine. The guy's name is Barry McGuire. Barry was a, wrote a song called Eve of Destruction in the 60s, and, and uh, I got to know him a little bit, a little tiny bit. And he would tell this story before he became a Christian. He was, played the lead in the Broadway version of Hair. And, uh, and he said the best part was that he got to swing over the audience naked coming in and landing on the stage. And uh, I, something I didn't want to see. But um, he, uh, he, he would go to these parties and, in Hollywood and other places. And um, he went to this one place, was not feeling great. And there's this book called Good News for Modern Man, which was an early translation of the, of the New Testament. And he, he thought, oh, well, I'm a modern man, and I'm, I need some good news. So he picked up, he'd read it, and he'd throw it down. He did that for months. He'd pick this book up, and he'd read it and make him angry, and he'd put it down. 
And all the good news was bad news because it confronted who he was. Sometimes the good news doesn't feel that way. Sometimes light doesn't feel all that great. Israel was intended to be light to the world. Israel was declaring that there was one God instead of a pantheon of gods. Israel was declaring that there was this God who was not to be manipulated. You didn't have to give weird uh, things to them and, and weird incantations. You didn't have to, you couldn't manipulate this God. You're simply called to serve and to worship and to recognize God's ways as your ways. This was a God who loves those that he has made. And we were called blessed to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. That's been passed on to the church to be light in the world, is how we put it. Reflective glory. The glory that comes from being in the presence of God like Moses on on uh, when he received the Ten Commandments and comes down from the mountain and wears a bag for the longest time over his head because his countenance was too bright because he'd been in the presence of God. And you and I are to be in the presence of God having seen and been seen clearly and to reflect this remarkable nature of who God is to each other, and to the world. As it says in John 1, we have beheld his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father. And Jesus picks up that theme here, light, glory. Don't want to belabor the point. There's no advantage to ignorance or remaining in the dark. None. Earl Palmer used to be pastor at Berkeley Presbyterian Church and then at University Press in Washington. Um, We'd say that to us college kids. So, you know, there's no advantage to ignorance. Not one thing. You know, sometimes you'll say, you know, I I don't want to know the doctor's uh, prognosis. I don't want to hear where I am. There's no advantage to that. Because the truth will always point us to Jesus. The truth about ourselves and the truth about the world will always point us to Jesus because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I think we forget what light brings. Light brings physical sight. It brings clarity. It can bring healing. It can bring rescue, lighthouses. It can bring hope. It'll certainly bring truth. It brings a future. You can see down the road a little bit more. It'll bring newness. And it'll bring restoration. When light shines in the hidden corners of our lives, both individually and together, it exposes all that is unseemly about us, all that is evil that we harbor. I think sometimes we forget 
how deep the darkness is. And we're not rid of it in ourselves. Certainly the world's not rid of it. But Jesus has come to shine light. Don't dismiss him. Don't dismiss the hard teachings. Don't dismiss the words about being the meek and the humble. Don't counter his words with actions that don't befit your belief. Trust in God. That's what Jesus said. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Believe in me. And you will have the life that I intended you to have in all its fullness. Pray with me. God, help us to go in for the full treatment that we would let your light shine in all aspects of our lives, that we would leave nothing hidden and we would avoid nothing, both together as your people and individually, that we would be open to your guidance, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
always think of the last line of that song and say, um, we think of Palm Sunday, that even if um, everybody stays quiet, that, that the earth, um, the rocks will cry out, or Psalm uh, 19, that the heavens declare the glory of God. But I like to think of it a little bit bigger than that, that at some day, at some point, as we read in the book of Revelation, that all creation will come and worship God, and we want to be part of that together with all our brothers and sisters around the world. So go and be light to the nations. You're blessed to be a blessing. Live into that. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Grab something to eat or drink or whatever our hospitality is. Thank you, Sharon, and others.